Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a little bonus podcast. Some of you may have noticed that last Friday I made a little bit of a mistake for an hour. I accidentally uploaded this podcast, which is meant to be Monday's morning's bonus podcast about Dread Sovereign, last Thursday night at some time in the a.m. when the eyes and the brain were tired. Um, I noticed the mistake after about an hour and updated it. But if you had listened to the podcast last Friday, when the first hour was uploaded, you would have heard this already. So if what you heard last Friday was the story of Dread Sovereign, this is what this is going to be. But if you go back and refresh the feed from last Friday, you will get the actual podcast I meant to upload, Sabbath to Seneca, which includes some silly impersonating of Aussie and some acoustic guitar playing. So bonus, bonus, win-win, right? Hmm? Yes or yes? All right, let's get into it. Good evening, my friends. This is Alan Averill. This is Agitators Anonymous. This is episode 33. How do I find you? How may I find you? In what state of disrepair do I find you? Greetings from a rainy, windy, cold, miserable Dublin, where equally lonely Deliveroo drivers are the only mouse that stirs. Wending their way across this graveyard of a city, firing in high carbohydrate meals to those of us, those of you sitting on your couch in front of Netflix, stuff in your face, getting fatter and fatter, the fatted calf. So out of the gate, I will say that this is a sort of a special episode. 
this is an episode where I am, in a sense, taking advantage of the audience that I've created here, taking slight advantage of all of you, in that I'm not going to waffle on about biometric passports and I'm not going to wheel out the podcast about George Orwell or the ones that I promised before that lay unfinished on my shelf of grey matter, my frayed ends of sanity. This is going to be a podcast about Dread Sovereign. The other band that I play in, the band that I play the bass and sing. It's been a strange year, I feel, in two minds about about releasing music in this year. I said before, I suppose rather petulantly, if there was a Primordial album to be released this year, I wouldn't have released it because, to be honest, there's just nothing in it for me. All it, then, all it is then, it becomes a parade of Zoom interviews and talking on this and talking on that. And then you just sit back and watch numbers on a screen. And that's all you really do is count numbers. There's no local release show for you to look forward to. There's no tour dates. There's no movement. There's no agency. Um, and especially with something, I suppose, as all-encompassing as Primordial, or at least my life's work, we could call it, that it would seem such a strange and terrible shame for it to end up like that. As Ivar from Enslaved said in his interview, this is not the reason why we started playing in bands to sit and watch numbers. We started playing in bands to have, to rehearse, to write songs, to be creative, to play gigs, to do all the human things that we intended to do um, that are impossible in this anti-human moment that we're living through. And I keep using that word because I'd like it to catch on and people to start using it and see that that's kind of what it is. It's been a strange, it's been a strange moment um, I started rehearsing again with some friends, just playing some Celtic Frost and Venom covers. And it was it was a simple joy. It was something that reminded me of being a teenager and the reasons why you start music again. And for a couple of hours, you can forget the situation that we're in. You can expend some energy. You can have a beer, have a laugh and ignore everything that's outside. And it very much felt like being a teenager again. In fact, it very much felt like being in Dread Sovereign again, because that's kind of what Dread Sovereign was started for. Anyway, so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to play a um, podcast I made about the formation of Dread Sovereign, the history of South Dread Sovereign, um, and some interesting little bits and pieces about songwriting. Obviously, I play the bass and sing. And things are a little bit different in that respect. And I'm just going to put that there. And then at the end of this podcast, I'm going to play the single, play the song Nature is the Devil's Church. Um, of course, there is confusion about whether I'm allowed to do that. Does the platform recognize me as the songwriter or who has the copyright, etc., etc. Usual problems. Um, for sure, I wouldn't be allowed to probably do it with a primordial song as there are publishers involved. Dread Sovereign, well, if this just comes up as a, a blank slate in your podcast profile, then send me a message, hit me up with a DM and go, where's Matt's song? Anyway, so consider this something like an advertising episode, as brutal and as horrible and as shameless as that sounds. A normal service will resume next week, my friends, once I have had a lobotomy or some form of brain transplant. And so I thought it might be a bit interesting to just tell the story of Dread Sovereign, seeing as in this very strange year, something that we made over the last couple of years is about to start kicking into life. Well, or rather some sort of 
abstraction on life. All very strange. But this is the story of Dread Sovereign. <clears throat> now, it begins, I suppose, realistically. Um, I've been playing the bass for a long time, very badly, always, never with any conviction, never really in a band, just butchering it, making this and that up. And in the mid to late 90s, I did a band with two friends called Perdition. Um, there is a demo somewhere, four tracks. We recorded it properly. I, I don't know where it is. I must find it. If I find it, I'll post links to it. There, the song, The Spear, We Wield the Spear of Longinus by um, Dread Sovereign comes from one of those demos. Um, as it's one of the few things. I think we made 25 or 30 cassettes with a cover. Um, a proper collector's item, if there really is one. I don't think any of them ever made it outside Ireland, but um, I will try and find it and see where it is and maybe have a re-listen to it um, and see if it's worth posting here for some of you. One of the one of the members now lives in Australia. Maybe he has it. I should contact him. Anyway, so that band was called Perdition, maybe 97, 98 or something like this. Then I lived in the same house as... Kieran and Mick from Primordial, amongst other people. And Mick had this little four-track um, Fostex recorder, an old cassette recorder that he used to make demos of riffs. And I took one of the riffs that I'd made in this band, Perdition, or just sitting around playing the guitar, and we made um, a demo, a two-song demo, and called it Plagued, um, which, bizarrely enough, one of the songs is on a split seven-inch with a band from Germany whose name I cannot remember right now. Um, I'm sure I will remember. I'll post the link. The problem for this is, well, no, it's not a problem, but I've been looking for the seven inch to post the song because it. I remember it being as quite a cool song. Um, I've been looking for the seven inch and I found the cover, but no record. Anyway, I will find these things and post the links. These are the beginnings of what became Dread Sovereign. So Plagued was the name that stayed with me for a while and nothing then happened for most of the 2000s. And then somewhere around about 2010, I suppose, um, I felt, felt the itch to try and do something again. Um, but this time take a little bit more seriously and play the bass and sing. And in the beginning, it was myself and Simon from Primordial. Um, I was playing the guitar, which you, if you can believe that because if I'm a bad bass player, well, then I'm a rotten guitar player. But most of the songs on the first album, this is where they came from. And the initial, I suppose, inspiration was to sound like Sirithongol, Venom, uh, Rodding Christ's demo, Satanus Tadium, um, early Master's Hammer, like demos Master's Hammer, um, very early Beherit, this kind of style. I had no interest in it being even original or anything like this. St. Vitus, that kind of thing. I just wanted to play slow, um, grimy music. Oddly enough, in those first few months, I was playing, uh, if any of you play the guitar, a George Lynch signature series, BC Rich, from the mid-1980s. Very expensive guitar, which is way beyond me with the Floyd Rose. Um, all sorts of complications. So then... Um, we went through a few different members. Carl, who's in a band called... Koskra, he played the drums for a while. Um, a few other people here and there. 
And, you know, it kind of would stop and start and stop and start. And then uh, I met Bones somewhere, I guess, about 2011, maybe. And he was discussing trying out on the drums for um, one of Dara from Invictus's bands. And it was at a time when there was quite a vibrant punk scene and they had their own venue, which they all used to play in. And I guess some of the metalheads sort of gravitated towards us a bit, went to see some of the bands there made friends with some of the people, released some records by mutual labels, this kind of thing. Um, seems like a long time ago now compared to the weird situation we're in. But I just sort of said to him, well, look, uh, I'm going to I want to start this kind of slow, sludgy doom band. He was in a band called De Novissimus, which is sort of sludgy. Uh, I hate God style doom, I suppose. Um, and so that's where the idea came from. I don't think anyone really believed that we'd stick at it but Simon Simon from Primordia was playing the drums and yeah we rehearsed and it was slow going because I was you know it was the first time I'd really rehearsed week in week out with a drummer trying to sing at the same time and you know coming up with riffs and at that time um, Primordial has was playing at Roadburn and I sort of said to the guys at Roadburn hey I have this scummy filthy black doom band um, would you let us play and uh, at the time, Jürgen from Burning World, the label collected to, connected to Roadburn, I sort of said to him, hey, man, look, if you trust me, I'll make you a cool EP and we could release it on the day of Roadburn. And he did just that. If you have the first EP of Pray to the Devil and Man, it's on Burning World Records, which is Roadburn's label. And um, in a very, it was very, and our first gig was at Roadburn, I think 2012, maybe. It was a very strange atmosphere. Primordial played on the main stage, one of the last bands, and it didn't really work. I think that we were just a bit too, at least I was a bit too black metal maybe for the audience. And it wasn't, you know, the usual kind of, I suppose, um, Electric Wizard, Yob style stuff. And I think, um, I don't think it really fitted in that well. Oddly enough, Dread Sovereign seemed to fit in much more. And we sold three, four times more vinyls than Primordial did. And it was a very strange experience. And lo and behold, then Dread Sovereign was born. We'd made our EP. Um, and we'd sort of had a little foothold in the world. And it was after that that I contacted uh, Van Records and sort of said to them, hey, look, you know, listen to this. What do you think we could make an album maybe for Van? And this is where All Hell's Martyrs basically begins to take form. Uh, my cousin Gareth, who I did April Men with, um, he was sort of drafted in to make some creepy, occult, obscure sounding intros and add this almost 70s Hawkwind style um, retro organ sound to the music, which I think gives it this really distinctive feel. And that was initially, you know, um, how can we say, even though the intention wasn't there to create something particularly original, somehow I think the album is, 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 is huge. It's one of my favorite things I ever did. The production is massive. The drums sound huge. The bass is in the red. Everything is right on the edge of um, chaos. But it's it's a, it's a really dark, obscure kind of record. Um, and something I'm really proud of. And we came up with this artistic concept, me and Kostin Kjornu. And the idea, if you've noticed, that there are three characters in every album cover. They are really the three of us in the band. And we're kind of like, time-traveling henchmen, something like this. We appear on each cover. And 
the idea of All Hell's Martyrs really came from um, the most of the album is about the Cathar Rebellion, which is in the Languedoc region in southern um, France, I guess, like 13, 14th century. And it goes back a bit before that. It's to do with, um, I suppose, a rebellion against the Catholic Church. Uh, and so I opted for going for genuinely sort of historical occult or devilish lyrics that had a basis in um, a moment in time. They weren't f fabricated or something, you know. And so writing about the Templars and the Cathars, um, you could fit their story into the language and the syntax of heavy metal. And it was quite liberating to not write about, um, to write things from a different angle than Primordial. And so on the cover you see, this is St. Bartholomew who was flayed alive and his statue stands outside the Duomo in Milan. And I had a dream about this statue. And then I read... Um, the Diaries of Mark Twain, the European Diaries of Mark Twain. And he had also seen the same statue and had a dream about it. So the idea is that in the last song you get transmissions from the Devil Star, or whatever it's called, um, is that Mark Twain and St. Bartholomew meet in a dream. And that's, they kind of speak to each other back and forth. And it's about how we vicariously live through martyrs, religious martyrs and how their resonance echoes through centuries. Um, nothing, nothing, not quite the same serious vibe as Primordial. Um, you're able to play with the imagery a bit more. And so this album came out. We, we did um, small tours of Europe. Um, we didn't get many festivals. I mean, it became clear that that was going to be quite hard because people would want you to play an hour or two before Primordial, which didn't seem really correct. But also at the same time, for bands with no fees, flying in and people paying for flights didn't really work. Needless to say, we did tours with Procession. Uh, we did a crazy tour with Finsterforst a, a couple of years later. But we kept we kept going as a band. Simon then uh, dropped out and Johnny from Malthusian and um, Conan uh, stepped in, stepped up on the drums. And uh, that's, you know, kind of like the sort of tightness between the three of us in that we just... Um, had a great sort of chemistry and touring together and that kind of stuff sort of I, I guess made me go from being an, you know a, a butcher of a 2 out of 10 bass player to a you know a grasping at straws 4 out of 10 but something kind of happened and then we were going to make another album so we made For Doom the Bell Tolls still a great title I reckon um, and this one is a little bit clearer, cleaner. It's a bit more candle mass. It's got an up-tempo song. Um, the World is Doomed kind of signature tune. And I'm still, I still think we recorded in two, three days perhaps with Ola Esford, who made the last Primordial. And he did a brilliant job. It just sounds great. All the tones are really strong. I mean, of course, it's 36 minutes long and people complained, oh, it is not uh, long enough for an album. Listen, what do you want? Quantity or quality? I don't know. Anyway. But the interesting thing is, in the year 1692, a woman called Sarah Vildes Averill was hung at Salem. She was the first woman hung at Salem. So the myth goes. And it would seem is a distant, distant relative of mine because my surname came from the same area of England. And she left, um, I suppose, on a boat to the late 17th century to go to England. The name, for example, the Dread Sovereign is from the Mayflower Edict. Um, they called James I 
within that document, the dread sovereign. I think it means feared ruler. Well, that's how I <clears throat> interpret it. And so, Sarah Averill was the first woman hung at Salem. And so you can see her death warrant in the CD. You should be able to see it properly in the vinyl, but I guess the layout got a little bit moved around. Um, I can post it underneath this. Very, all very interesting. So on the cover, you see the same three characters, the three of us, um, building a gallows to hang her. So then we do some more touring of Europe, a few little festivals, and the chemistry is strong. The chemistry is great. Um, and for me, I'd always wanted to have a band that rehearsed every week, that you could rely on, that every Thursday evening you went to rehearsal and it was something to look forward to, make some noise, have a few beers, that kind of thing, because Primordial hadn't really been that band for a long, long time. We got together when we had to do something. Um, no, we didn't get together when we had nothing to do, basically. So you could not see anybody for five or six or seven months. Um, of course, we haven't seen each other now in that same situation, but things hang a little bit more perilously than they did a few years ago. Anyway, so after this, we have a couple of, you know, a few tours, like I said, Finsterforce, a few other little shows. Um, and we then hit a kind of little bit of bump of not knowing what to do. We're going to make another EP for Van. And then I think because the new album you're going to hear coming up soon Alchemical Warfare is a bit more up-tempo it's got a bit more Venom Carnivore Motorhead Tank a little bit more of a kick in the ass it just didn't really seem to make sense for Van Records and so we agreed to move on to Metal Blade no disrespect to Van Records they're awesome Sven is an awesome guy um, but we just sort of moved on to Metal Blade and so that's where the new one is coming um, it's a bit more rough and tumble it's a bit more growly it's a bit more nasty it's also a bit more I suppose the musicianship is a little bit more, it's a bit tighter. Um, and alchemical warfare, again, a sort of play on words that makes me happy that seems to annoy other people. Um, the idea is that we are the three laboratory assistants in Isaac Newton's laboratory. And he is trying to discover the secret of alchemy, which obsessed him as a man during his lifetime. He obsessed over the secret of alchemy. And so... I decided this would be a great theme for a cover. And the lyrics are, again, um, they have serious undertones, even though they're a bit more, there's a bit more, no one say black humour, but a sort of black mood to them. Um, and I am able to write them a bit more freely than I would be able to do in Primordial. Um, you can write She-Wolves of the Savage Season, which is really, I just wanted to write a song about how strong women can be. And that kind of song that when you play live, um, people can hear it and go, ah, here's my fucking song. Simple old heavy metal kind of tropes. Um, but fundamentally, yeah, The Secret of Alchemy has uh, been kind of obsessing me. And it's, 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 it's in the last Primordial album as well. This idea that alchemy is a spiritual journey and not an actual process. Anyway, alchemical warfare. Uh, and so that's the kind of potted story of Dread Sovereign. It's eight or nine years long. Um, it was intended to be this sort of obscure occult doom um, with a very heavy tone of black metal. But the reality is I just wanted to do a band that sounded like Venom, Sirithongal, Hellhammer, St. Fidus, Hawkwind, um, Master's Hammer, Rotting Christ, that kind of thing. Um, and it's morphed into this other thing. And here we stand about to release album number three. 
and hopefully next year we can kick on and start to tour and play some festivals because the reaction so far seems to have been really positive so with a video dropping next week I thought it would be um, a clever thing a good thing to do to maybe just tell the story of Dread Sovereign a little bit um, and it's it's different for me because I get to play the bass and write maybe maybe 70% of the music um, not as much on this new one um, before before most of the songs were like the first album most of the songs would have been mine and Bones help arrange them but um, yeah he's got his own style and that's going to be cleared in the new album um, and uh, it's an interesting thing to be in charge or let's say with Primordial we have a bunch of old cranky tyrants all pushing and pulling in different directions sometimes with ideas about aesthetics and imagery but for Dread Sovereign um, the whole thing really is the aesthetic is my vision of what, of it and it can be as wacky and off the wall of, as I want it to um, I kind of wanted like I said to be assistants in Isaac Newton's laboratory and Costin made this amazing album cover which you'll see um, and you can run with that and expand on the whole artwork along those themes and it's been really challenging refreshing and interesting to be able to um, work on all these things yourself and not have someone second guess you or go I don't like this colour or that colour um, and it's also been nerve wracking really nerve wracking because it's like uh, for the first time you had to stand on the stage being the first band of three playing to 50 people in a room who are going Ugh, I don't know if I really like this and the first five or ten gigs playing the bass and singing was hard I think my ego took a good kicking because people come up and go eh well it's okay because Primordial was always used to conquering or whatever you want to say and so it was good for the ego to get a bit uh, of a kicking and challenge yourself and try and um, get back up and go right fuck it I'm going to make this succeed and then I began to find a, a groove with playing and singing that I could really enjoy it. And now some of my favorite gigs can be within a tiny bar to 50, 75 people with Dread Sovereign. And hopefully next year we're going to get to be able to do exactly that. Let's hope. Anyway, my friends, the story of Dread Sovereign is a curious one. And there is some new music coming soon. So check out the links.
So there you go, my friends. That was Dread Sovereign. Nature is the devil's church. No doubt it blew the ears off some of you um, listening to the podcast normally. Well, apologies for that. It is raucous and rabble-rousing stuff. Anyway, my friends, normal service will be resumed next week. Once I have more control over my grey matter, as I said, follow me on Instagram at nemthiang underscore primordial. Patreon, if you want other bonus podcasts and this and that and the other and songs and random bits and pieces, www.patreon.com slash Alan Aver with two capital A's. You can pre-order the dress of an album from www.metalblade.com or just search the name of the song on YouTube and you'll see the video. For some reason, the video is blocked in Nordic countries. We don't really know why. There are elements of the movie Hoxon, this old Swedish movie that's 100 years old in it, which somehow seems to be copyrighted, even though it's beyond the statue of limitations or whatever you want to call it like that. But anyway, episode 33 ends as the story of Dread Sovereign. I thank you, metal never bends. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.